Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy Podcast. This is Tim Carson. We also have Chad Flynn as co-host number two, and our special guest for this episode is Terry Green. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Praxis Pedagogy. Today, we have a special guest, and uh, I'll introduce him as Terry. But uh, Terry, would you mind telling our listeners who you are, where you are, and what you do? Hello, I'm Terry Green. Thanks for having me, by the way. This is cool. Um, Terry Green, I am in Peterborough, Ontario at Fleming College. I am the acting interim digital learning advisor to the college and did i answer all your questions (laughs) how many students go to fleming um i i think our main campus here has seven thousand, and then there's uh frost campus in lindsay which is focused on environmental sciences and natural resources that has a couple thousand there's a really cool um art school up in halliburton that has certain amount of students that I don't know what the number is and uh, a small campus in Coburg. Ah, interesting. That's very interesting. Yeah. You've also got a side project, Terry, something that kind of comes out every Friday morning. You want to talk a little bit about that too? Yeah, sure. I believe you're referring to my podcast, which is called Getting Air. Um, the, The idea is that uh, much like what you're doing is, is, reaching out, connecting with people doing open pedagogy and chatting about what they're doing, getting them some airtime. And it's pretty fun. It plays it plays live like a radio show, not live, but it's aired, streamed on the voiceed.ca uh, site, which you guys should get your podcast in there if you haven't already. And, um, uh, and then it's released in a takeout podcast form right after that. And I've done about... 80 of them have been released and uh, recorded about four or five more already. So uh, I'm going to do it forever until the end of time. <laughs> uh, you've got the uh, you've got the bug now, don't you? Yeah, it's pretty fun. It's addicting, though. Once once you get on behind the mic, you start talking to people and start learning about their stories and about especially when you have a, an interest such as open pedagogy, you just keep going on and on and on. It's never ending. Like there's no shortage of guests no shortage at all. <laughs> Dead air. <laughs> That's awesome. So, um, Terry, tell tell me a little bit of how you got into open. Like, what, how did you get drawn into this community? It was, uh, it's, I think, probably directly blame Alan Levine and Jim Groom and uh, Martha Burtis and anybody involved in getting DS-106 up and running. I, um... It was, I think, like fall 2015. Um, I knew I had a um, performance review upcoming and I th- had to think up something to do for PD. And so I was just looking around and I come across this thing. It's digital storytelling and it's an open course and you can do it with people who are like in a real course getting credit, but also you can just do it alongside for free. And it seems super cool. And I presented it as an idea, a way to kind of keep up with technical skills. Like if we get lots of ch- chance to do st- 
stuff in Adobe stuff like Photoshop, uh, but op also open um, source alternatives and, and just uh, it looked interesting. I didn't tell my supervisor that there was like graffiti looking stuff all over the site um, <laughs> and that it was a bunch of radical weirdos doing it. Um, so, so she said, go for it. And I've been going down the rabbit hole ever since. What's uh, What's been the most uh, rewarding piece about OER, OEP for you? I don't know if there is one thing. It's just it keeps revealing itself as there's more to it. Um, like for a lot of people, the the initial gateway drug to OER is is that they're free resources, so you're going to save students a mm -hmm. bunch of money. But it just more and more reveals, uh, more and more things are revealed, like what it enables, um, the the, op the uh, open permissions that you, you give enables uh, so much. It basically pushes the starting line uh, forward for, for endless opportunities. So not one thing. Now, DS106, can you fill us a little bit in as to what DS106 is? There's a lot of talk around it, and I think it's such an interesting project. And it's still going, as far as I know, right? Oh, it'll never end. There's going to be a 10-year anniversary party at Reclaim Arcade, I think, sometime soon. Um, so it started as... It, it was a digital storytelling course at University of Mary Washington and it, I'm sure it still is, that has a different name and that you, you can you know pay for and, and take. But they took all the materials they were using to, to teach it and just put it out there openly saying, um, go ahead and take this with us for free in an open manner um, and connect with us by blogging and tweeting and, and coming on our radio shows and, and stuff. And it, it was basically... Uh, it just takes the the ability of these internet technologies of actually being able to connect with other humans and show each other your work. Uh, like when I first saw the site, I thought it was very different because, oh, hey, look, student work is all over the place here. It's not hidden away and it's not like disposable. It's like the center of everything. And, and students can contribute not only their takes on assignments, but assignment ideas. And and the date like, um, and also the sauce that whole that keeps everything going for me was the daily. Every day there's a post of a like a daily creative activity to do, that started as a, a daily photo challenge um, somewhere else I think, but then it, it went from there to, you know, daily. Um, well, they have certain categories of digital storytelling, like, you know, audio work, uh, imaging work, GIFs, that kind of stuff. So every daily challenge was supposed to be like 15, 20 minutes um, on one of those things. Some of them kind of overlapped. And it is, you know, it's basically a good practice, fun practice way to connect with each other. Um, it's a way to build a network. It's, it's never ending. And you, you did something very similar to that, though. The past year, there was the Ontario Extend, the MOOC. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, a little bit. No, wait, not a little bit, a lot. We, we bit their styles big time. We stole everything from them. <laughs> um, it was centered around modules, much the same, mm -hmm. uh, Ontario Extend. Uh, but these modules were meant for uh, faculty who want to 
extend their abilities with technology enabled, um, you know, uh, creating technology enabled learning environments. Um, so David Porter, the, the CEO of eCampus, had his eye on this awesome framework that came out of, um, uh, what's that big university you have, UBC? Mm-hmm. Um, Simon Bates, uh, and the framework is is six kind of core areas to get better in. One being, you know, teaching for learning, obviously, mm-hmm. but then also being a technologist, a curator, a um, a experimenter, a scholar, and the other one starts with what is the other one? Uh, I can edit it in later, or you can edit it in later. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a module in each of those. Yeah. But where DS106 comes in is that um, we have people as much as they feel comfortable um, connecting with each other by sharing their work in the open on blogs, um, lots of WordPress blogs, some Medium blogs, some. Uh, other types of places but then we syndicate them all in one place so that any new post for an extend some extend work showed up on this syndicated hub site um, and we also put out a daily that were kind of aligned to whatever module maybe we were focusing on um, and a, a bank of people's responses were, were held in our uh, activity bank but also not just their responses to activities ideas for new activities and it, it was just I think was a place we, we hoped would not uh, replace work of the teaching and learning centers at all the eCampus Ontario serves all the colleges and universities of Ontario. It didn't want to replace that work. It wanted to connect it and, you know, lift it up. And that's what we tried to do. Well, it was a pretty awesome project. I mean, I, I was part of it for a little bit there. I ended up having life kind of happen. And so I had to jump out at some <laughs> point, but I thought it was just amazing the way you were able to curate all those comments and how we were all sharing different, like we were sharing gifts and pictures and people were commenting on it. It's just, it did feel like community. How many people enrolled? Uh, so the, the MOOC version that we, yeah, we ran in the winter, um, there were the highest number in there was about 350, I think. Um, but people, like you said, life happens. Uh, People come and came and went. Some people went through it in the kind of schedule we set, but some people just came and got what they needed and left, and which which is perfectly fine. Um, so there was plenty of activity. It was it was really really fun, and it made so many connections with so many people. And the the culminating module, the scholar module, is basically in it. You come up with a a, a subtle plan. You don't do it, but you come up with a plan for it. There were just some fabulous ideas that I think many of the people that came up with the plans continue to do uh, to, to follow through on them. And it'd be cool to collect the responses somewhere at some point. Oh, for sure. That's one thing I really appreciate about it. It's just, it was so inspiring because you take these online courses and usually it's you producing the work and it's all the focus is on yourself. But when you have this community and you start sharing all these resources with each other and you gain ideas off each other, it becomes just an innovative and inspiring work that everybody's involved in. Oh yeah, it's awesome. I think open, like you guys will get this metaphor because you live in mountains and stuff. It's like a chairlift that takes you halfway up the mountain and then you just got to hike the rest yourself. But you get, you, you get a ride a bunch of the way up, um, which is awesome. Are there any plans to continue? Because it was closed. It's closed now, right? It was just open for a certain amount of time. Um, the MOOC 
I believe is closed. The the modules live on. Um, they're not doing dailies at the moment. They're not running a cohort in any way at the moment. I think they're doing a little bit of um, remodeling of the modules, remoduling, I guess. And uh, I think that the eCampus Ontario hosts uh, TESS, their technology-enabled seminar and showcase in November. It's it's focused on some of the extend attributes, I believe. So maybe maybe they'll announce um, uh, uh, what their plans are next. Um, I'm I'm for me at eCampus Ontario was a secondment that uh, secondments have to end after a while. I was it was a double length one already, so I had to pack it in, and now I'm back at at Fleming doing fun stuff here. So still fun, and we will hope to run it alongside any cohort anyone who's uh like definitely f teachers who are want to teach online i think it'd be a fabulous idea to, to do the extend modules but anybody like i don't know if you saw recently uh kevin gannon the the tattooed prof had a piece about uh, teaching online makes you a better teacher in any setting um it's a great article and and i i just really buy into that and so i want uh, any faculty member here interested to to try out the modules yeah so i just want to pick up on that uh terry um when you're talking to faculty maybe for the first second or third time about oer and and what's available there um what what do you what's the conversation sound like and and where do you point them to yeah it's 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 tricky. To, I think it depends on who you're talking to, where your starting point is. But I often at least ask, like, have you checked the, like, you have the BC campus library, but we have an eCampus e Ontario one and they, they mirror each other. Um, have you looked to see if a textbook in there, a free one, it could be replaced and like not push it too hard on them because you can't just immediately change a textbook. But if they know, hey, maybe I can save my students a couple hundred bucks. And I'd look like a hero to them. Um, so I'll, I'll always at least mention the, the library to make sure that they check it. Um, but also, it's always for me focused around the, the benefits of it, like the connectivist benefits of being open and sharing. We do a weekly blog at Fleming called The Teaching Hub that we, we put in. We, uh, spread it through our learning management system news items and also email and tweeting and stuff and um, in that we try to always not not necessarily saying hey be open be open be open but we try to model sharing and point to resources that are open to everybody and and hopefully kind of get some some brain waves happening that that'll lead to more conversations yeah nice nice um, so when, when you're, uh, when you're exposing them to these things, what, what are some of the barriers that faculty face? Time, time. Yeah. Uh, like if I talk to them today, uh, they're probably like, go away. Cause I got class and I'm not changing anything. I'm, I'm in the air right now. I'm flying through the air. I can't change course. Are they like closing the door when they see you walk down the hallway? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it just like, you just get conversations started and, and not push too hard and say, you know, when you do have time, start to think about it. Um, it. It gets tricky in certain situations when they're big team 
taught courses and uh, there needs to be time granted to to change how courses are taught often or, or at least lots of uh, especially I think the more traditional kind of approach people have taken the the harder it'd be to be flexible and, and make changes so it's I think you just want to try to nudge people in like to start walking towards something rather than running towards it. right right so you're really looking at building that relationship first yeah just lots of talking well, see, I mean, that's the whole thing is if you can get some conversations going, then at least the conversations can have happen offline and not in a such a like PD context where you have to have a professional development yeah. workshop. Whereas if you have people just talking at lunch or sharing their ideas and yeah. over you know, coffee or whatever, it makes a big difference. It's got to be more organic than structured almost. Yeah, exactly. I try to like walk the halls and just chat with people as much as I can. Awesome. Now, one th- I wanted to talk to you too about your open faculty patchbook, about your involvement with that. And just if you could just share with us a little bit about what that is and kind of how it's grown and what it's doing. Okay, sure. That came directly out of the like working in DS106, getting uh, uh, like learning about open, open practices, open resources, being open. And then um, kind of the next time I was like uh, the same boss was like hey you guys should go to a thing for pd so i said what's the thing and i found um the open ed conference this would be about like less than a year after i started ds106 and uh so that was in 2016 and it was in richmond virginia and i so i I went i was very excited it was very awesome so many cool people that like were just like superheroes to me still are um uh, so Robin DeRosa comes up and they had like a series of little like 20 minute maybe keynotes um, one morning and she was one of them and she told us about her um, uh, anthology of earlier American hist- uh, literature yeah, where there were these public domain short stories out there um, and so she kind of Uh, got a group of students her students to create the textbook for themselves Um, so everybody kind of grabbed onto one of those pieces where their job was to find it um, put it into a format that worked for everybody and also create that like marginalia the annotations the the uh, stuff on the side and your cole's notes kind of thing and then you could put it all together and hey we made ourselves a textbook and that we can pass it off to the next year and the next year can put more in and I was just like jaw drop this is amazing because it's the, for, for the first time I think I really saw not just free resources but enabling such amazing pedagogy or maybe Robin would say pedagogy I'm not sure how she says it. pedagogy pedagogy <laughs> um and at the time in our department here at Fleming we were like starting to think of how to rethink faculty development um, so this doesn't, you know, maybe take out the, the benefit of saving students money, but the enabling of, uh, sharing our work and kind of breaking down walls between each other. Uh, I thought we could do something similar and the, what came out was the open faculty patchbook. So to start, we put out a list of teaching practices. We found the. I think it's University of Michigan's high leverage teaching practices. And then, so we put out the list and say, grab one of those if you're interested and write your take on it. 
And if we get enough uh, kind of stories of how you do your, you know, leading discussion, how you do your managed group work, how you do this, how you do that, put it all together and you have a kind of a textbook sort of thing that um, we can hand to new faculty and we can share amongst each other and we can keep collecting stories. And, and so we did. And I think we're at like 30 some now. Uh, there's a new one coming out soon from uh, Joe Murphy from Kenyon College. And it's, yeah, another, just like the podcast, I'm going to collect these stories forever because they're awesome to collect and awesome to see how people do their thing. And it's so, I mean, the, what I love about the Open Faculty Patchbook too is it's, they're bite-sized, right? It's not this huge, long technical manual. It's these real live stories of people sharing how they've done things and their experiences in it. And it's just, to me, I find it very inspiring to read there and I get great ideas from it and some work and some don't, but at least there's a resource to go to. Yeah. And I love how like many of them are from people who don't regularly publish stuff on the net they haven't done this before they're just so i'm kind of helping people get their toes wet doing that too which i i love and then there's also the 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 um the mirror image project the open learner patchbook which i love collecting those stories too and what is that so the same thing but from a student perspective i figured you know you could teach however you teach but 30 students are learning 30 different ways so i'm going to collect their their stories on how they do their learning too which would would be mind-blowing for an instructor a teacher to read just to kind of get us to understand their context because we get so caught up and wrapped up in our own world and how we think that they learn that's one thing i've discovered through my practice is just there's all these students out there like you said i have a class of 16 or 30 sometimes and you you have 30 different ways of learning so if we could get just an ounce of what each one of those does and I mean, we can't teach to all people, but you certainly get some great ideas. Oh, yeah. Like just now I was meeting with a a group that want to form a computer club at Fleming. And I was mentioning, hey, we want to try to use like teams, kind of like Slack uh, to to continue to communicate outside of class. And like, just use Discord, man. Nobody uses that stuff. I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) Let's go in that direction. Oh, yeah. Roger that. But it's true. Like, right? Because they they all use Discord. All the gamers out there are using Discord. So why not meet them where they're at? Exactly. And it's the same similar setup. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, that's a great idea. Now, see, there's, I'm writing stuff down already. That's a really cool idea. I know I've, I tried something last term uh, with my students in, uh, in an organizational behavior class. Uh, we we talk about stress and and the effects of stress on people in the workplace, and so uh, I'm going to pick it up again this term because I'm ironically teaching three classes of the same subject matter, and what what it, <laughs> it's it, not stressful you know, at all. Um, what I got them to do last term was to put together a Google Slides presentation on their perspective of stress and how they deal with stress. And mm-hmm. they did it as a group assignment. And, uh, and I was totally forthright with them at the beginning and saying, hey, this is going to turn into something that we're going to hand to other classes, not only to add on to, but to learn from. And so um, it's picking up on that idea of peer-to-peer counseling in certain situations. And you know, at the beginning, you kind of think, yeah, is this really going to work, right? Like with, with a lot of different things, I, I tend to 
short play them a little bit and, you know and, and not give them the credit that it's due um mm-hmm. but at the end of the at the end of the uh the session um one person came up to me and said you know what this is really has been really beneficial for me and has answered a lot of questions for me and helped me uh answer the own questions in my head and i'm like oh okay you know you kind of get that weighty moment of reality hits you and it's like okay this is this is touching a nerve and it's going to make a difference in at least one person's life all of this is worth it awesome yeah that's great that's open pedagogy when we can Exactly. That's what I was just going to say. It's amazing when you can hit people's lives instead of having these disposable assignments where, you know, like for my business class, I could have them write up the importance of having a business plan. But instead of doing that, you could have them write up their personal values mixed in with their business values and how values go into a business plan. This is an exercise we just did in our course too. And it's same thing. Like it's, they they were a little apprehensive at first. It felt uncomfortable, but at the same time, it allowed them to kind of dig deeper and it's, and to think through things and not just regurgitate information. And I think that's what I love about the whole concept of open pedagogy is having these assignments mean something rather than just spit back what we've spat at them. Yeah. Type of thing. Not to be too How crude. about that? We can value their work. Weird, hey? They actually have something to say. <laughs> Terry, where do, you, where do you see OER going in the next year or two? If you, if you had that crystal ball that Stephen Downs seems to always have. Yeah, just read his latest on the future of OER and then your face will melt and then just try to figure out how to do that. Exactly. No, I did. I went and read it after I listened, ironically, to your podcast with him as your guest. Yeah. And um, I was reading this going, oh, no way. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. But what's what's your perspective? Where do you think OER is going to go? I think it's it's too like I just you know like I, I was trying to say before just let's keep walking in this direction and see where it takes us like slow and steady. Um, so I like I don't know how to I don't know what predictions I like I'm I was lucky enough to get invited onto the Horizon Reports expert panel to guess what's the future and like I, I, like how are we supposed to, I don't it's such a weighty task I don't know the answer that's a tough question so. How about you save this recording for two years and then I will <laughs> tell you what I said and we'll pretend like we just forgot to release it. Yeah, no problem. I will uh, I will lock this away and then a year <laughs> later we'll come back and listen to it and go, oh, Terry was right. <laughs> or just follow Stephen down. But you're so, I mean, yeah, there you go. And it's kind of like what you're saying, Terry. We It's like it's like that Paulo Freire book that we make the road by walking, right? So you just kind of, you take that step and you just move forward and you see what happens next and you take the next step and we can only plan so far, but like we said earlier, life happens and things happen. Technologies happen. They yep. come and go. So it's, it's, I think it's so hard to predict where ed tech is going. It's like same thing, like AI was supposed to be a big thing. Adaptive learning in 2015 was a huge thing. And then it kind of, pittered out and now it's coming back again yeah. and you I'm waiting know. for the second coming of second life in ed tech <laughs> <laughs> well you're not too far off ready player yeah. one right we could see something like that happen let's do it all right well I guess that's our next project then <laughs> whoa get BC campus and eCampus Ontario to fund it and let's go all right, for it let's try all right. beautiful well we are uh, creeping up onto our time limit here and Terry, there there are some 
newbies to the OER world who pick up on this podcast and, and listen a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I am probably the least seasoned person in the room. Uh, are there any recommendations that you would have for somebody who's dipping their toe or wants to go a little knee deep, so to speak, in the pool? To get into OER? Or, or even examine their own practice? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I would, I would recommend like following, uh, you guys can help me list a few people. Uh, like if you are a Twitter user following Robin DeRosa, following who else? Uh, Rajiv. So he's that psych prof. Robin DeRosa is actual ham. And there's a story behind that, uh, which is kind of funny. Um, Jessifer, Jesse Stommel, um, yeah. Cog Dog, Sean Michael Morris's slam teacher, um, Jim Groom, Stephen Downs, and um, Sherry Spalitz is the edified listener. Uh, yeah, follow people uh, and then follow them until you're ready to, to lead some other people. Very good. Well, thanks so much, Jerry, for taking the time to uh, come on the show and uh, be a part of what we're doing here. Oh, it's fun. It's fun to be on the other side of it for, uh, for once. <laughs> awesome. Well, we're, uh, we're happy to have had you and maybe, uh, maybe we'll get together and have, uh, that reunion. Yes. I'm looking forward to that. That'll be fun. Okay. That's a great idea. All right. We're up.